0: Well, good morning, friends. In today's episode, we're going to try to answer the question, what is the sovereignty of God all about? But before we do that, Pastor Marcus is going to lead us in uh, what we're kind of calling adult show and tell. Yeah, I guess so. So all that and more coming right up.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're so glad that you've continued to join us. Um, so Lucas, this is kind of a funny thing that I'm doing this with you, because would you say that you're somebody who's like really sentimental?
0: So I, I got a text message this morning from <laughs> Pastor Marcus saying, hey, bring, bring three to five items that have meaning to you, like, you know, sentimentality. Well, I literally, <laughs> I came up with three things and that's where I kind of maxed out because I'm like the least sentimental person. Yeah. So yeah, I well, got three things.
1: This is gonna be good. This is gonna exercise the new muscle, I guess, <laughs> eh? Hey? Um, well, today we're, yeah, I guess we're kind of doing like an adult show and tell. And so what we're gonna do, uh, just as we start off and as everybody jumps uh, on the stream here, is we're just gonna showcase some of the things that we brought from home uh, that are significant to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't wanna just do this with just us two. And so if you're on this stream, you can always pause uh, the stream right now, go grab some of your stuff that you find is meaningful, take a picture and post it in the comments. Uh, if you're not maybe wanting to pause, or you're like in the thick of it right now, uh, you can always take a picture later in the week and and post a picture and tag us in it because we would love to see some of your guys's show and tell items yeah, as well as we kind of all throw back to kindergarten. Um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna grab my first one. Okay, let's see it. You guys have heard and and have yeah. You guys have heard of this say, one before. I was gonna say this has
0: already made a, a an appearance.
1: Yeah the lore of it. At least of like a verbal appearance, yeah. So uh, this is, but I figured that it needed to make its like official debut. So this is my Staub, this is my um, Dutch oven here. Uh, Are we like doing like a full show and tell? Lucas asked me a couple weeks ago, I've had like a self basing little like dots, and it does. Cause I know what I'm talking about. You do, and so I bake like I bake all of my sourdough bread. I should have brought my sourdough starter because they like kind of are one and the same, but like big soup in this. It was gifted to me before I moved here. Um, and so that kind of is what it reminds nice. me of, is like that I get to eat great food. Uh, but also just, uh, there was lots of friends and family around me that day that I got to open it. It was a big surprise. Uh, and so this is like Sweet. one of my prized possessions in the kitchen.
0: Now, some of you have seen this before. If you've, mm-hmm. if you've been to Evangel over the course, this, this has made some cameo appearances in, uh, in some of my sermons but this is my childhood piggy bank. And the reason I grabbed it is because this stays in my office, it's on my uh, credenza in my office, and it just reminds me of my childhood, reminds Mm me of home. Uh, I'm the type of person, like there's some of you, you remember like every day of your life, (laughs) and which is crazy to me, but this kind of reminds me of a few different houses I lived in Mm -hmm. over the years. Uh, It reminds me of sharing room with my brother because this sat right beside my brother's piggy bank. Nice. Uh, which he always had money and I didn't and I would... I would What's up with that? I would rob him sometimes <laughs> as a kid. Um, I've repented since of that. Confession but is out. Anyway, yeah, piggy bank. I don't even know where this piggy bank came back from, <laughs> but they spelt my name wrong. You'll see it pop up here, but they, they spelt it L-U-C-U-S. Lucas. As opposed to uh, what my name is, L-U-C-A-S, <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Huh. Well, let me grab my last one.
1: Uh, it looks like just like a tube, um, but if you look closely, there are a bunch of um, countries on there. So this is a scratch map, so basically it's a map of the world, um, but as you travel somewhere, you scratch off the destinations that you travel. Oh, that's cool. so. Let me just unroll this whole thing. So all of the colored pieces there are the places that I've traveled. Cool. Um, and so I would love to have scratched off more in my lifetime by now, um, but there are some pretty fun and significant ones that I've scratched off this reminds me of a couple things. One, I love traveling and so this year I was really hoping to scratch some more off, didn't quite get there, Um, but most of the places that I've scratched off on this map are not because I visited there on a holiday um, but because I've done some outreach in that country. So I've been to places in Asia and Eastern Europe um, to do missions and it's like very close to my heart uh, to do outreach in other countries and so um, yeah, so that reminds me of that. This is uh, this is a picture of
0: Lisa and I on our wedding day, and so of course this is like such a special memory, and uh, she is the greatest gift I've ever received, hmm. and um, yeah, so that's us. And look, look, we were just babies. You are babies, literally like how babies. How old were you? So I was 21 and Lisa was 19. Wow, like we got married really young. That's uh, so that's yeah. Yeah, just babies. That's cool. Okay, so this hefty blanket here
1: uh, is one that is special to me. So, oh man, it was like years and years ago. I was like in my Nana's house. My nana is like one of my like childhood heroes. We called her like the queen of West Vancouver. She was like a great lady. I love her so much. She passed away a couple years ago. Um, But I was in her house and I like pulled open a drawer and found this blanket and I was like, what is this blanket? Um, So it is, it actually was her mom's. So was my great grandma's blanket um, and I like just decided when I was young that, that they was, I was going to inherit that blanket um, and so I did and so it is like a, in a prominent place in my home and so it reminds me of my grandma uh, and kind of the history of her life and uh, also it's like a wool nice. like Hudson Bay type blanket um, and so this is like a big keepsake for me and something that I got to inherit from my grandma um, and so it's always really meaningful to me That's and cool. it um, kind of smells old <laughs> and dusty, but, uh, but it's really special in my heart as well. So that's yeah. cool. It's one of those blankets that like they're it's itchy. It's itchy. Yeah, it it's is. itchy. It's so it's, like, yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> true wool, but it's uh even with the itch. It's special. Awesome. This is a thermometer. Ther- yeah. ther- ther-
0: thermometer, thermostat,
1: thermometer, I don't know. Yeah, I'm right? gonna say thermometer. I just feel like that's something what we that just say. tells the temperature. If we're wrong, just you know, gently correct us. I'm like
0: 38 years old and I <sighs> can't tell the difference between those two words. <laughs> so embarrassing. Uh, um, but yeah, so the way this works this is all like mercury and it's water in here. And uh, the reason this is so special is this is one of the things, uh, one of the few things I have for my Oma and Opa. Hmm. Uh, this reminds me of their house. And so they lived every, every year, it was consistent my whole life. Uh, kind of lived in that one house. This was in the dining room where we had like many a Sunday brunch mm. together and uh, just a lot of special memories. That's cool. So I inherited this. Uh, both of them are gone now. And so this is kind of my memory of them. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's functional, it tells the temperature. It's
1: analog. Can I ask? Analog is cool mm-hmm. now. So although we may not know what the word is for it, how do you tell the temperature of these things?
0: So basically you kind of go, you split between what's kind of at the bottom, what's at the top, or what's sometimes floating in the middle. If it's like exactly 20 degrees, this 20 degree weight will be kind of floating right here. Okay. But right now we're kind of just about 20 degrees in here. Hmm. And that kind of just sits right there. And that's how you tell. So these kind of move around just based on the temperature. That's totally what I would have said as well. Yeah. Yeah, Love it.
1: Cool. Well, thanks, guys, uh, for joining us in our little like show-and-tell moment. Uh, we really hope that you guys do the same for us. Um, so we'll jump in the comments. Uh, if you have a picture, ta- tag yeah. us in it. Um, At myevangel.church on Instagram yeah.
0: or uh, tag us on our, our Facebook
1: page. Yeah, and so we'd love to see that and just kind of get a conversation going around some of the things that bring you nostalgia and bring back some memories for you guys. Um, so I'm looking forward to
0: jumping into our next episode. Uh, so we're going to do that right now. Well guys, as I said, as we open this episode, we're going to be talking about the sovereignty of God. So let's just take a moment to pray, invite the Holy Spirit. He's our teacher. He's our guide in truth. And So let's invite him into this journey, and then we're going to get going. So Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for an extra hour of sleep. Uh, we pray, Lord, that it would be uh, refreshing to our bodies, to our minds, to our emotions, and to our spiritual lives. And uh, would you move, Lord, today in us, in our families, and everyone watching, Lord, that we would uh, learn maybe something about your character and who you are, and that it would shape who we are as a result and the way that we operate and move in this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God is sovereign. You've probably heard this before, but today we wanna take a little bit of journey uh, unpacking what does that exactly mean? You know, God is sovereign. What does that mean? What, What is a biblical perspective around the sovereignty of God? And here's a couple of ways that we maybe um, have misused or have been misguided about what sovereignty looks like from a biblical perspective. Sometimes, sometimes this idea of the sovereignty of God can cause for Christians, for followers of Jesus, to be maybe a little bit lazy about what they see around them. So let, let me just put a case in point you see great need around you. You see suffering in this world. You see the brokenness all around us in societal breakdowns, uh, looking at different areas of the world. And we, and we think there's great suffering in the world, but, but we say to ourselves, but God is sovereign. God is in control. But we say it in a way that causes us to be excused from stepping into that need or serving the needy. And, and maybe, just maybe, when we look at a biblical perspective of the sovereignty of God, the very action God takes in his sovereignty is the very thing that should inspire us to meet the need and serve the needy. The, the, the second way that we kind of maybe misuse or are misguided about the sovereignty of God is when, when this statement becomes just a catch-all for everything bad that happens in the world, all the injustice, all, all, all the, 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 the pain and injustice and people doing broken things, and, and we would say something like, well, that, that's horrible. Or, or, or we would see like even this pandemic. we go, that's horrible. What a horrible circumstance. But, but God is sovereign. God, God's in control. But we say it in a way that maybe is a little bit different than the first way. We say it in a way that goes, you know what? This is God judging the world. We're justified. In, in, he's justified in his sovereignty to just judge the world and bring pain and sorrow into this world. I'm going to argue today that that is also a misguided representation of what it means around biblical sovereignty. Now, it's funny because this attitude, this attitude of being sure in our own thoughts and our own minds that God is judging the world through suffering or through brokenness or through pandemic or through the brokenness of other human beings, exacting um, harm on others, it, it inadvertently causes us to take on an attribute, an attribute of God that isn't ours to take on. And, and that attribute is sovereignty itself. The attribute is sovereignty itself. When we, are, when we proclaim with assuredness that this is happening because God is judging you, here, here's the reality. You're, you're actually taking on an attribute that was never really yours To begin with, find in Scripture where there's any kind of reference to a gift of sovereignty. The the church has not been given a gift of sovereignty. A Christian has not been given the gift of sovereignty. Sovereignty, as we're going to just look at, is meant for God alone. You know, for instance, when when you look at Scripture You think of Jonah. You know, Jonah, many of you would know the story. If you don't, Jonah was called to the city Nineveh. Nineveh is a wicked place. Uh, Lots of brokenness, a lot of hurt people, hurting people, uh, injustice, all of that going on. And so Jonah, this prophet in Israel, is called to go to Nineveh and preach repentance. And so he runs from that calling and there's a whale and the whole thing. But finally he gets to Nineveh and he preaches repentance. And, And what happens? Well, the people of Nineveh end up repenting. The king himself ends up putting sackcloth and ashes and he repents of his, his sins and, and his representation of the entire city. And so we see this moment where Jonah's up on a hill and he's kind of up there and he's popped his popcorn and he's ready to kind of just, you know, watch the fiery destruction of the city and it doesn't happen. And what happens? Jonah gets mad. He gets upset. Because in his mind's eye, he thought this people need to be destroyed by God. He was more excited about the judgment of God being exacted against the people than he was about the repentance of that people coming back to God. In that moment, Jonah took on the attribute of sovereignty. Because he saw a distinct way, a distinct path, a distinct decision that God had to make in his mind's eye. And, of course, God forgave that people. Pastor Lisa said last week, and I'm going to just re-echo it today and reiterate it, to make a bold declaration that God, in his sovereignty, has brought a plague on our world to judge the world, to, to expand his kingdom, is, is actually a gross misrepresentation, misrepresentation of what sovereignty actually is from a biblical perspective. It is also, it's also a gross overestimation of what Your position is to make that matter-of-fact claim. So what is sovereignty? Well, there's two things that we have to bring to this discussion. First, we have to bring kind of just the objective uh, definition of the word, because words matter. And so we have to bring, what does the word sovereignty mean? How do we define that? But then there's also another very important step we have to take. So let's, let's do the first of those two steps. Sovereignty. I'm just going to put it right here. Sovereignty, supreme power or authority. That is the definition of sovereignty. Supreme power and authority. And and this is accurate as it relates to God. It's accurate as it relates to Jesus. As as we look at uh, Jesus as as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we, we see that this fits the description of who God is perfectly. But well, what's interesting is many of us have maybe a, a little bit of a pushback at this idea that, that one individual, one person, one, one entity can rule over everything. Uh, you know, we might, we might think of Lord Acton. He, he says, you know, power, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And in probably every single, every single circumstance, I would agree with him, except for one. And that one is Jesus. The only exception to that statement is is one that is perfectly consistent in their character and in the way in which they rule and see and perceive the world around them. And God is the only one that has this ability to be not constrained or influenced or, or pushed one way or another. He is perfect in character and consistent in the way he dulls out judgment, righteousness, grace, mercy, all of those pieces, God is perfect in, and so He's the only one. He's the only exception to this rule. You know, Paul, Paul writes in Romans uh, one twenty-two to twenty-three, and he says, "Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of get this, the incorruptible God, for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures." In all instances, I am against sovereignty being given to one individual. All but one. And as I said before, that one is Jesus. That one is Jesus, the incorruptible one. Now, now here's a funny kind of caveat. Um, It it actually doesn't matter what I think. Uh, It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what the greatest thinkers of our time think. The reality is God as creator of all things is by nature sovereign. It it doesn't matter what we think or, or what we pontificate about or the philosophies we come up with. The reality is no matter what we say about it, or what our position is, God is sovereign. He is the supreme authority and ruler over everything that we know in existence. Because he created it. He exists outside of it. He is the incorruptible one. Here's where things get a little bit weird, though. Because as I said, in order to determine a biblical perspective on sovereignty, we have to address, yes, just objectively and pragmatically the the, the definition of what that word means. But now we also have to take a second step and we have to kind of look at, okay, We've established that God is sovereign, but, but how does God work out his sovereign position? How does he act as sovereign ruler over everything that we know? And this is where things get a little bit peculiar. So let's take that journey. Jesus is recorded as saying in Matthew 23, 11 to 12. Many of you will know this verse. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And read that one more time. We're just going to let that sink in. We're going to meditate on that for a moment. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But, but not only does Jesus say this, He actually, as the sovereign ruler of all things, he lives this out among his creation. He washes the feet of his disciples. He associates with the lowly of the low of his society. He he was hard on the religious people that, that, that pretended they had it all figured out, but he was so gracious towards the broken and the lowly and the fringe of the society in which he lived. He laid his hands on the lepers and he healed them. He came came in his sovereignty and he served humankind to the point that he actually was led to Golgotha, that place of death, that place of being sacrificed as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. He served humanity in the most awesome, mind-boggling kind of way in that as sovereign God, Ruler supreme with authority, he came and he served his creation to the point of dying for his creation to repair relationship with God the Father. This is, like, this is so profound. As you know, we're, we're doing a series entitled God and the Pandemic, and that title comes from N.T. Wright's book, God and the Pandemic. And we kind of use that in our, in our staff and we've read and we're kind of just springboarding off of that. But he makes a statement in that book and he says, if you want to know what it means to talk about God being in charge of the world or, or being in control or being sovereign, then Jesus himself instructs you to rethink the notion of kingdom control and sovereignty themselves around his death on the cross. You know, it's interesting, we have to now look at sovereignty, that pragmatic, objective definition. Now we have to look at it through the lens of a God who holds that position, but then died on a cross in service to humanity, in love towards humanity, in mercy and grace towards humanity. We have to look at it through that filter now. And herein lies the rub, Because we have to consider sovereignty of God through the lens of Jesus, we have to consider sovereignty through the lens of Jesus as both, yes, the lion of Judah, but also, and maybe even more so, as believers, we have to listen through the lens of Jesus as the sacrificial lamb. So what what does that mean for us? You know, I'm going to ask you just a very simple question. What, what do you suppose? What do you suppose the posture and role is for those who are not sovereign? That follow a sovereign king. And not only follow a sovereign king, but, but follow a sovereign king who came and became servant of all to the point of dying. What do you suppose that means us in the moment of great suffering, in the moment of this pandemic, for instance? Does it it mean that we get up on our soapbox and preach hellfire and brimstone? Does, Does it mean that we make bold accusations that this is here because of the sins of the world? And yes, absolutely, it is. Because this is a broken world right from all the way back to the Garden of Eden. There's sin in this world. There's brokenness in this world. There's corruption in this world. There's disease and sickness in this world. There's been since the beginning of time. Or is the church called to posture themselves like Jesus? as non-sovereign people before a sovereign king and begin to model out a life that looks like service, looks like instead of pointing fingers at the need, jumping into the need to meet the need. So what is our role? Is it to get up on a soapbox? Uh, Is it to perpetuate every unsubstantiated rumor online um, we also call that we also call that bearing false witness <laughs> is it to pretend to have definitive answers to the predicament we're in or or is there another way in all of this one one that doesn't mistakenly take on that attribute of sovereignty there's an interesting story found in the book of acts chapter 11 27 to 30 it says, Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. You know know what's interesting about this little story in Acts is nowhere do they deliberate to determine whose fault this is. They they don't point fingers to this group or that group to determine whose sin has brought this upon the land. They, they They don't... even put together a hellfire and brimstone repentance service. What do they do? N.T. Wright, he he writes this, Agabus prophesied of a famine. They asked three questions. Who's going to be at special risk when this happens? What can we do to help? And who shall we send? What if our role is not to determine the why of this moment, but rather to ask the question, what can we do to meet the practical needs of those around us? What if our role in this season isn't to preach great declarations of what we deem as true about God and what he's trying to do in this moment, but rather to look around and to meet needs. To even, to even, maybe even, put ourselves at risk in doing so. With wisdom. But here's the deal, friends. I've been so conflicted through this because in one way, part of our role has been to limit gatherings, to to kind of limit the complexity of relational networks in order to mitigate the spread of this disease. But in so doing, we've also left some people behind. Maybe we need to manage that tension and live in that tension just a little bit more. Maybe I need to assess that tension in my own life. In my own sphere of influence. It's interesting. We've had needs come up. We've had moments where we could have stepped in and, and some have, and and yet the majority, I would say, of the church has been has been stepping back, maybe, from meeting those needs or, or putting themselves out there. I, I think of historically the church has always been a has always been the societal component that has stepped into the need has has even put their lives on the line to step into the need again i said with wisdom with wisdom but i friends i think i think it's time that we maybe shake ourselves out of a little bit of a funk where we've made this season very much about us, our family, our family units, self-protectionism. And perhaps, with wisdom, we need to be prayerfully considering the needs around us and stepping into those needs. With wisdom, we still believe in protocols here. We still, we're still doing everything we can to mitigate. But friends, the pandemic, COVID-19 is not the only thing in this world looking to kill and steal and destroy. And the church can't take a day off. So what does a sovereign God do? The one who holds all power and authority. He puts his life on the line. He steps in the greatest need of human the sin problem, the separation from the father problem. And he dies to fix it. Maybe we need to live in the tension of what it means when we think of the sovereign God and let that affect our lives and what we do and how we do it. Lord, I don't know what that looks like. I'm as conflicted as everybody watching about what being a good citizen and mitigating the complexities of relational networks in order to mitigate the spread of this disease looks like. Also with the tension that there are those that are being left behind, who are broken, who have a real enemy looking to destroy their lives that we need to be mindful of as well. Lord, would you give us by your spirit a creative kind of, (laughs) a creative faith that can see the need and see creative ways in, in which we can meet those needs relationally, spiritually, physically. Help us, Lord. Help us to do that and to be mindful. And Lord, help us to Get out of this funk. Because, Lord, we've made it in many ways this season really about our own selves, our own family units. Yet, Lord, in this season, we're seeing the family unit implode in such a horrible way. So we realize it's not working. Help us, Lord God. Help us to walk this out, sovereign God with integrity, with character, but also leaning into the modeling of a king becoming servant. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I said in in my prayer, guys, I, I don't know what that looks like. I just know that the trajectory right now of our community of faith even, is getting a little wonky. And we need to get back to keeping the main thing the main thing. And that brings tension in me because I don't know what that looks like. When I figure it out, I'll let you know. How about if you figure it out, let me know. But we have to do something. We have to do something. So let's look at the world around us. Let's be Jesus' representative in it as best as we know how. God bless everyone. Have a great week.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. We just have a couple announcements for you this morning. The first one is our November and December in-person gathering dates are now live. So as you've been registering over the summer and into this fall, you've gone to a specific website, but just so you guys know that website link has changed. So it's now myevangel.church forward slash register. So now you'll go to that page instead and that will allow you to register for uh, both of our November Sunday a.m. dates and then uh, our Sunday p.m. date as well. So you have a nine or an 11 option in the morning and then Sunday p.m.s are at 6.30. Kids, we haven't forgotten about you either. So in our Sunday AM services, you guys can either join your family uh, in our main service or you guys can be signed up for Kids Church as well. And so we're so excited for all of you guys to join us. So again, myevangel.church forward slash register. We'd love to see you both in November and December in person. And then next is that preteens, there's something for you coming up in November as well. So the very last Wednesday of November, the 25th, we're having a preteen party. We've had a lot of fun over our our last preteen parties. It's gonna be at 6.30 p.m. And so make sure you sign up for that as well. And then finally, if what we do here adds value to your faith journey, uh, then we would ask you to maybe consider partnering with us in giving. Uh, So, there are a couple ways that you can give here at Evangel. On Sunday mornings, we're actually here in the church until noon. So, you can come by after our stream is over and feel free to say hi to us. We love to say hi uh, and then give if you want to then. We're in the office uh, from Monday to Thursday from 9 until 5 as well. And then finally, if you want to be fully physical distance, from from being in person here then you can give online as well so if you go to myevangel.church on any of our website uh, links we there's a blue dot in the bottom right hand corner of the page and you can give there and so it'll take you through a couple steps but it's really easy to set up an online gift both one time and also recurring as well Uh, But we really appreciate your guys' generosity that we've experienced over uh, this COVID season before and I'm sure beyond because it's really been uh, both a blessing to us, but also a blessing to our neighborhood and our our region here in Pell River. Thanks so much, guys. Hope you have a great day. We'll see you soon.